What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Many of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, which is my effort to find the most interesting people in the world and sit with them for hours while I ask questions in an effort to learn. We have no advertisers on this podcast, so it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe to the show on your favorite audio platform, watch episodes on YouTube, and tell your friends and family about the podcast. My goal is to help millions learn from the world's most interesting people. So let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is with Mike. That's right, his name is Just Mike. He is one of the most interesting music artists in the world, in my opinion. He has consistently pioneered not only different ways to make music, but also how to distribute the music and how to make money off of the music. Mike continues to build out subscription services, continues to build an entire audience with a very high degree of engagement, and it all started about a decade ago when he was a baseball player at Duke University. Mike continues to push the edge of everything content and monetization, and I tend to think that you can learn a lot from people who are pioneering in other sectors of the economy. Here is my conversation with Mike. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. So when did you graduate? Um, 2007 was the year, my freshman year. I had the all, that was like my, my breakout year. 2007. I had, so I graduated 2012 and then I did Georgetown grad okay. for, for half so the like semester. So like the same time that you were in college, I was in college basically. Okay, yeah. And it was you, um, Asher Roth, mm-hmm. right, was another one. And then there was um, Mac Miller. Yeah. And I went to school in Pennsylvania and Asher Roth and Mac Miller were just fucking running back and forth across the state yep. doing every frat house, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I remember listening a little bit, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when Strowman, uh, my brother and I, he started DMing us all time about fucking like, yo, what, what coins to buy? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, there was like a six month stretch. He's like literally every day was like, yo, bro, what, where, where do I put the cash? That's my guy. And so then, and then he kept like tweeting at you or whatever. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. Oh, Mike it. And I started listening. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. He literally went all in. I was like, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, went all in. I mean, the guys you mentioned, shit, man, like, uh, especially Mac Miller, rest in peace. I remember, I remember just, just starting to dabble a little bit in my room making, cause I, cause I was injured. Really what mm-hmm. happened was, you know, I was. You recording? Yeah, we're rolling. My oh, okay. full time, my, and since I was fucking eight years old, I was just, I had this very intuitive draw towards baseball mm-hmm. knew it would be my meal ticket out of where I lit you know just knew it would be my that was the thing yeah it was and I knew I had it I had something I was from Rhode Island so it's not a baseball powerhouse by any means so the whole time there was that like you know neighborhood like I was really good in this area but what does it mean mm-hmm. you know and I I worked very hard very diligently I had a great super lucky with a great family great father helped shit sorry helped cultivate you know my my skills whatever i go on to play at duke um which was you know already kind of feel like i was achieving my dream and first year i just had as i look back um almost like every single thing went my way that year i was a all-american as a freshman closer just like I remember throwing balls 2-0 right down the fucking middle and it just they just roll over. It was just like the whole year, yes, I was I was, you know, 
excelling, but I just remember now that I have some hindsight, like a lot of shit went my way. It was almost like yeah. the universe was giving me like, it's your last hurrah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause it's like really what happened, man. Like I was on cloud nine. I go play in the Cape Cod league. This is, it's all coming to fruition. My elbow starts acting real, feeling very strange. I was a guy who was like, never hurt. Yep, yep. I never came out of a game when I pitched in high school. Yep. Just always my arm never hurt. I was, and then all of a sudden it just changed like one day. Ended up having Tommy John struggling with the recovery, never returned to full speed. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I had another intuitive feeling about just dabbling with some music, you know? And so you had never made music? Never, before. never. That's crazy. Strange. And and like, I don't know what the fuck it was really. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I was the guy who could like freestyle while everyone was drunk on the baseball team and I, I could do it. You yeah. know, but nothing, nothing like, wow, you need to do this, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I just had some calling to it. I self taught myself from Garage Man. I made a few songs and for whatever reason, like, relative, relatively, the first one I put out went viral. My buddy came and shot it for free. He's like, yo, I like this. Like, I thought it was just gonna be my one and done music video. Yeah. Like, I made one. This is, you know, I remember this. Like, the whole time I'm thinking I'm gonna be a professional baseball player. This is just a, bump in the road I'm gonna be better and it just uh it just totally went a different direction I I, I kind of got enthralled by it I kind of had an aha moment when I was like trying really trying to recover and it wasn't happening and I'm traveling I'm going to the games and I'm like you know it sucks because I kind of was the guy freshman mm -hmm. year and now I'm watching my peers kind of play and I'm sitting there and the fans, I started having fans in the in the crowd, like where they'd be like Mike Stud fans, like yo, Mike. I had like one song, two songs out, and my wheels started turning. Like, yo, the like, musician, he actually plays baseball as his hobby. Yeah, and it's they kind of supplement each other because I feel like that's the reason people cared about the music, really. Like yeah. it was amateur and cool, but they were like, oh, he's a fucking baseball player. That's kind of cool. Like yeah. you know, it's not bad. It's you know. But I started, my wheels started turning a little bit. Not that I felt like it would be my career per se, but it just mm -hmm. felt like it was the next step for me. It was almost like, pay attention to the signs. Mm -hmm. Like you got fans here from University of Louisville while you're playing them and they know you for the, you know, one music. one thing. I, I spent like one week doing it. What the, what the kids in the dugout or like the coaches, were they like, yo, what's going on here? Or did they think it was cool? They didn't even, the, the guys on the team just thought it was a laugh. Like, you yeah. know, once it started to work a little bit and pop, they, they were supportive mm -hmm. to my face, you know, my good buddies were like, yeah, but no one, like I'd be totally lying if I said that anyone really thought it would translate into yeah. you know the life that we've gone on to lead and just have how it became really what I am and what I do and my mm -hmm. I feel as though it's my place right now and I feel like I'm right where I should be you know but so when you started recording mm -hmm. how much of it was like I'm just going to record a certain way because that's all I can do like I don't have access to a big studio exactly. I don't have you know a producer or whatever it was just more of like well, fuck it. Like if I'm going to do this in any serious way, I just got to do with yeah. what I have at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I was like, a, I, I, I think I got a Mac like <laughs> my junior year in college. Like I wasn't even one of those guys with a laptop. Yeah. Like I got it. There was GarageBand on there and I just had free time and my roommates were baseball players. They were gone. Like I wasn't traveling with the team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I kind of always had a way with words. So I like just... I just had this inclination to do it, man. I can't mm -hmm. really put a finger on what made me do it exactly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, f I feel as though in hindsight and how I'm living my life now is just like, that's what it is, man. Following your intuition. 
Yeah. If you got a feeling about something, go ex- go go after it, you know? It's so funny because I think now, for those that don't know, uh, the way you create the music is very different. The way that you've marketed the music is very different. And I think the way that you uh, live your life and, and like the business behind it, we'll yeah. get into all this. It, it's just like you've approached it very differently. But if you even go back and you listen, the Jay-Z's of the world or the Dame Dashes, they'll say the same thing. They're like, yo, we wanted a record deal. We just couldn't get one. So then we had to do it ourselves if we wanted to chase this thing. Yeah. How much of it for you was that in the beginning? And then when did it change? When were you like, no, actually, even if a record deal shows up, like, I don't want that. Yeah. Right. I want to do it this other way. Because like, I'm assuming that changes at some point. Yeah. And you're like, no, this is my path. I'm going to double down. on. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head, man. I think you do it. I did it. First off, I made these songs. If I had to go to a studio to make those songs, they would have never existed. Mm-hmm. I would have never did it. Mm-hmm. You know, Um and you know i make a few songs it starts to work i take a leap of faith i start touring a little bit Mm -hmm. you know i definitely had a bit of beginner's luck you know shit was kind of going my way like it was a very different landscape you know like there was there was a handful of artists like you just put your finger on like oh asher roth Matt. there was a few of them Mm -hmm. look at nowadays there's literally hundreds of thousands of artists people making music and and sharing it when in this era it was like this perfect time where but it was also it it was like there's only a couple of people who are doing it but the people i just named it almost felt like they were targeting the college market yeah well right it was like kind of like the frat houses it it was technically called coin frat rap like it was like kids in college college age Mm -hmm. not like um it, it was just a totally different sphere mm-hmm. for, for hip hop mm-hmm. where it didn't really exist, mm-hmm. where it's like friendlier hip hop. What are college kids really experiencing for yeah. the most part? It's a lot different than regular hip hop culture yep. experiences. Yep. So it was just kind of speaking to a lot of kids who like hip hop, but maybe the lyrics were a, more relatable coming from somebody in the same age group that's yeah. had similar life experiences. So yeah. it kind of, it kind of, dialed into that like a relatability you might like hip-hop in the way it makes you feel but even here's some hip-hop that maybe you can relate to so it was it was kind of geared towards yeah college kids but organically because that's all we knew you know what i mean so you brought up mac miller i remember i didn't even know that there was like this kind of internet rap thing happening until i made a song and i put one you know I, i saw mac miller i didn't know he existed yet and i just I remember watching him and I was just like, and I, and, and I don't mean this in any disrespect. He's, he's one of my favorite artists. I I mean, I just saw how he was doing it. He's walking around with his friends. He's talking about real life shit like that I could relate to. And I was just like, I could do this. It's kind of like a light bulb went off. And I remember him specifically. I remember the video. But you have to see it. Like, like I do think uh, being exposed to things makes it tangible, right? Like, Like you realize, oh, somebody else didn't have to go to the big studio. They didn't have to do the really scripted music video. They just walked around with their friends. That's and like exactly. the uh, the ability to emulate comes from exposure to it. Yeah. And I do wonder how, like the internet obviously was important, right? But also like this entire generation, like I remember when we first got like YouTube and being like, yo, crazy. <laughs> they would never put this shit on TV. Like right. that's how you thought about internet videos, right? right? It was like, th- this is the cool stuff. They would never put this on TV. Now everyone's dropping TV to go and, and basically get YouTube, right? Like it's crazy how much that changes. In ama- I think it's an amazing time to be alive. I mean, mm-hmm. you can make arguments either which way. There's an argument for every everything on the internet. Val- valid arguments on every <laughs> side of every topic, you know, but 
I think it's an amazing time to be alive and just being witness to what's happening and the evolutions and and uh, especially in the arts. Mm -hmm. uh, we could get into it more later in the conversation, but I, it's just such an interesting time to be a creator and contributor. How know? do you make the music right now? So you've got a microphone, you just got your computer basically? Yeah. And you get an idea, you just <laughs> jump on the microphone? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, I can honestly say, I think my first setup was like 1200 bucks all in, <laughs> you know? And, and that was that song, that one yeah. song, it was called college humor talk, mm -hmm. you know? And I was literally just talking about my day in college that day. Like it mm -hmm. just, just caught on enough, you know? Yep. But I mean, I was recording in a, Marcus Stroman was there. We were in a closet. I hung towels up to get yep. a little soundproofing or whatever. And we're just fucking just throwing paint against the wall, having fun. You know, mm -hmm. and like, truly, that's what I've tried to harness now. That's mm -hmm. what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. I was telling you before we got on screen, I mean, my, my setup uh, is in front of the biggest, nicest window in the house, usually, um, ideally in the master bedroom. So that's how I'm choosing houses. You know, essentially what I'm doing is I'm traveling. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of like a current day gypsy in, in a sense like i i don't have a permanent address when covid really really happened in in 2020 i had been in la for about six years i'd done the whole hollywood race try to be a cool guy beverly hills you know and it, it just never aligned with me and i just mm -hmm. it was almost trying to fit a square peg into a round hole i felt and mm -hmm. I also kind of developed into an artist where I record myself. I'm the lead producer, I'm lead vocalist, I'm lead engineer, I'm executive producing and I'm handing file exchanges to mix master. I'm handling the business. I've stayed independent where, you know, so it is, it, it's just not, not a one-stop shop I'll say, cause I work with a few producers mainly remotely, but like, I don't need to be in fucking LA or Nashville. I don't mm -hmm. need to be in a music city. Mm -hmm. And that freedom, that aha moment, I went and visited my buddy at the time. I was very close with Post Malone and he was around in LA a bunch. He'd always come over to the house and I went out to see him in Utah and live, live out there for a while. And I just, I just noticed how I felt, man. I was waking up these pine trees and, and how I felt creatively. And I just knew I needed to go. And we just sold and, and fucking picked up and left. And we're U-Haul Penske boys, man. Like we, we, you know, I travel light. I got a, I got one big storage unit in Nashville, one big storage unit in LA. Um, I have an amazing guy who takes care and does the drives and helps break down and makes moving easy, mm -hmm. you know, but we're light. So it makes me moving easy, but we're traveling wherever the fuck we're called to, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I've been in Miami for two months. Right now I'm looking at a, you know, I'm looking at the ocean and, and you can, I, I seriously, like what I will say, mo creativity is, is a bit of, there's some spirituality with being creative mm -hmm. and there are places, there's energy in everywhere you go. hundred percent. Like it will light you the fuck up. And I, the more I've tuned into just being present in, in spirit, I'll say aligned mm -hmm. with my spirit. I just realize and recognize when a place has gotten stale or stagnant and I would appreciate something new, whether it's the electricity in Miami where you get that vibe from the ocean. The ocean's one of the most energetic things on the fucking mm -hmm. planet. Like, mm -hmm. um, then there's Mount, yeah, I've been to two different places in Montana, uh, Idaho. We've been all over, you know, all different types of spaces and energy, but I, I feel as though I'm, I'm not really, I'm, I'm just tuning into the, 
to the space that I'm at. And I yeah. feel like I'm a vessel. I can translate it into the music. I make different music there than I would here. And I set up in front of big studios. It makes no sense to look at a wall if you're trying to be creative. Imagine going into the same room every day and be like, why are my ideas stagnant? I'm looking at this fucking black wall. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And now I'm like, oh, I'm looking at this beautiful view that I haven't seen yet in this new house. You know that energy. There's mm -hmm. an excitement to it. And what it what it's done to me is I just feel so present because I'm not really letting stagnation happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the way the mind works, I've dove into that a lot. And I, I just feel like I'm more or less trying to live every day in a creative, basically opening up a way for me to feel creative and create space mm -hmm. for ideas to come through. How much of the super viral, super successful songs are hours, days, weeks of work versus like, yeah, I was drunk and I just had yeah. an idea and I fucking sat down and recorded it. It's yeah. like the equivalent on Twitter. I always joke that like, you know, these people will spend hours. I've done it. Yo, it's the fire tweet. Dud. Mm -hmm. Toilet tweet. You're sitting there taking a shit. Bam, mm -hmm. fire went off. Super viral. Yep. Right. And like, I don't know if that's uh, that's the truth. Like that that's the thing that's closest to like mm -hmm. uh, the authenticness and that resonates with people. And so it explodes. Is music the same way? Yeah. I have a, I have a thought about like writing, like journaling or any writing ideas. Like if it's if it's not messy, you thought too much about it. And and I think creativity, what I was just saying is about I'm basically trying to set up myself every day to be available for ideas to come. Mm -hmm. When the ideas come, you just be a vessel and translate it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've made it into my music making process. It varies, right? It's case by case. Some ideas might need to be nourished and ushered mm -hmm. into a certain space. Personally, um, I know in my ex experience, all the best stuff is in the magic. The, the stuff that I, you know, all my all my best stuff really, the majority of the idea happened in an instant, happened in a span of 10, 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's really where I lean more and more as I go. If I got to think about it and baby an idea and like, work hard i've don't try tattoo to my leg like if i have to work hard to get this idea to fruition you know what i mean i don't it might it, not hit. it kind of speaks to me like there's some i don't know you know like the ones that i re get really excited about and feel and the proof is in the results like a lot of them are moment they're moments yeah they're moments that you capture how um how much do you pay attention to how big the audience is, how successful mm -hmm. a song is? Like what I would think of uh, a business person goes to work, right? And they're very much, uh, okay, we have to hit X revenue goal. We have to, uh, you know, yeah. reach as many customers, whatever. Most creative people, it's kind of hit or miss. Some people are like that, right? And they're right. very data driven and very much like, hey, I want to create things that, that uh, keep growing my audience and things like that. Other people are just like, bro, I couldn't tell you how many followers I have or whatever, because right. it's just like, I'm just like, I just like enjoy the music. And if it works, it works great. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, it's about, it's a, for the artist, right? It's about the doing. It's just about the creation, right? Mm -hmm. I know, because I've been in the game for a minute and I know, and I've, I've had so many foots in the water. Hey, I might dive in, do a mm -hmm. record deal. Hey, let's, let's go mainstream. Let's grow the audience. Really what it is, is they're offering a commodity exchange. We're gonna give you more fame, notoriety, mm -hmm. your name, your value, your presence. You'll be able to monetize at a much higher level, probably 10X, maybe 20, shake, maybe a hundred. You know, you could be, we can make you that. Without us, you're not gonna be that, 
right? And that's really the dream. And that's really the commodity exchange, if you think about it, mm -hmm. is we're going to take the lion's share of the income here on this music. We're going to take 85. The common deal is 85% that mm -hmm. goes to the record label. The artist gets 15%. But we're going to grow you and your presence so strong that the return on on just your notoriety and just your brand um, is is going to make more than enough sense. Now that mm -hmm. that rings true for a tiny percent of artists who do record deals, mm -hmm. and that's who they champion to the new kids they're trying to sign. Look what we did. Yep. Look look at Post Malone. Look at you know all these. But really, the majority of artists that doesn't happen, and really, what ends up happening is you get shelved because art. It's a corporate game, right? Like. These these are publicly traded companies. <laughs> they they want market share. Hey, we got seventy five percent of market share. This is why our valuation is this. Mm -hmm. It's going up and up and up. They want to gobble, 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 gobble up the market share. They don't care personally about your record or your career going to the moon. Mm -hmm. They want the market. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, in regards to audience, like I'll tell you, really, most of it is smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. I can say that like factually, right? Like. They're paying people to boost, like they're paying people to boost the streams. I know there's stream farms. I've seen it. I've, I've been in email exchanges where like, hey, we can offer you this. And because really what, what they're feeding into is it's the modern day marketing, right? It's just, mm -hmm. it's the herd mentality. Mm -hmm. Every, this has 8 billion. Ooh, do you see he's getting 75,000 likes on these videos and all these comments? Like, what am I missing out over here? You mm -hmm. know, that song's got a billion streams or I can't. I can't swipe through TikTok and not hear this song. What is this song? Mm -hmm. I should know about it. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I do like this. Yeah. Really, that's what they're feeding into. But it's it's kind of a big game of payola. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If something's booming on TikTok, it's mainly because they spent a bunch of money paying influencers to use the records organically in mm -hmm. their posts. How much do you think they pay to make something go viral? I mean, it ranges, right? Like you could pay a bunch of money and your shit sucks and it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm not I'm not taking away from the artists, but the game really is, is like mm -hmm. that's really become the new commercial. That's become mm -hmm. the new radio ad. That's become the new, you know, like it's it's essentially like, hey, anywhere from probably it can range. But anywhere the starting point for really getting some traction on TikTok is probably 50K. Mm -hmm. A song on the radio is a hit song because they put almost a million dollars behind it. Yeah. Getting all the fucking iHearts and everybody conglomerates. And mm -hmm. that's really the whole game. Right. So when you realize that as the artist, you know, like for me, it's corny to fucking pay people to like my shit. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. That's that's just lame. You know what I mean? Like, so I just started seeing what was actually happening. You asked the question earlier. I don't even think I got to the answer, but it's like. There was a time where I wanted more than anything to just be validated by a record deal. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, look, fuck you guys. You were wrong. You know what I mean? Or, hey, mom, like, look, I, I'm not an idiot. I went to Duke and I became a, a fucking white college rapper yeah. and it's working out. I got a record deal. Like, look, mm -hmm. my song's on the radio. There was one time where I did a little, I did a distro deal, not a record deal, but a distro deal and this legend, Lior Cohen, who's a rap mm -hmm. legend, uh, you know, just administrative legend in hip hop fucked with me, came on board, ran one of my songs up. This was 2014. Like I had, a, I had a record working at radio and I remember sitting in my car, like waiting for it to come on in my local radio station. You know what I mean? Now I look back at that and I grimace. I'm just like, really all it was is just like, I'm paying people to f play the music. 
expected it really the dream like the way you have it is like oh you get a, you make such a great song that everyone hears it where that's really not that's just making a great song is your artist's duty and mm -hmm. it, going back to your main question here is like it's what it has to be about if you want to be an artist for a long yeah. time and enjoy yourself. If you're if you're attached to the results when they're not even in your control, mm -hmm. you have to do a deal or you have to have private capital mm -hmm. or you have to figure out how to really hustle, move and shake. Maybe you network your ass off and you know a bunch of TikTokers and they'll post it for you because they're your boy or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But there's external factors that are out of your control completely mm -hmm. in regards to having a hit. Hey, saying the regular guy, you know, whoever, who's not really in the music game. Wow, Mike made it, man. Like, I hear a song on the radio and like, wow, there's millions of followers now. And like, look how big he and popular he is, you know. That became less and less the goal as I started to see the yeah. realities of what was going on. How much of like the lifestyle, the vibe, right? Because it's very distinct. Um, yeah. I can pretty much play any one of your songs. You don't know this, but uh, my young daughter... If I play one of the songs, she starts dancing, Love right? That. And it's like you, old McDonald, right? and a couple other songs. But like, it, it, there's just something to it, right? Where, where yeah. doesn't matter if you're a young child or an adult, like you yeah. feel it's different, right? Mm -hmm. It's a magnet though, because you have a lot of friends, a lot of people who have come around you. They professional athletes, people that others would know that aren't in the music industry, whatever. And is it more so they're drawn to like, hey, this is different and uh, kind of the outlier type folks somehow find each other in life? Yeah. Like I think a lot about, you know, everyone who's like super corporate, if they go to a party, they all find each other. They yeah. go and they talk in the corner, right? It's and a then lot all of the action, man. Yeah, like all the weirdos, right? They all end up in a corner. All the entrepreneurs end up in a corner, right? Yeah. All the people who like are the contrarians, they end up in a corner. And you're like, how'd this happen? How do we self-select into these groups? But like you kind of find the people who tend to think like you do or, or have the same vibe as you somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I actually like you follow me on Instagram. I know we go back and forth and you probably see like there's a spiritual undertone to mm -hmm. where I'm where I'm at in life. And um, it's just the truth. It's like the cold, hard truth mm -hmm. of like what happened to me, where I fell into my artist bag truly mm -hmm. and why I think it's resonating on a frequency level. Right. Mm -hmm. That album's called The Highest. Guess who's on the guess who's on the fucking biggest, highest, the highest frequency in the fucking planet? It's kids. Mm -hmm. You know how many people tell me their kids fuck with, fuck with it? And I, I mean, I'm not making the music for kids. It's it's adult music and it's like you could argue you, you probably you couldn't some songs you shouldn't let your kids hear you yeah know? my wife be hit me with that sometimes yeah, like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> tell her it's a frequency thing and she'll she'll she'll, she'll understand well, she don't remember what we told her five minutes ago she's yeah, fine <laughs> yeah 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 um but you know what i'm saying like it's it's kind of where this whole conversation's connected and why i stand by being like the best thing that ever happened to me was staying individual, mm -hmm. independent, and not trading. Yeah, maybe I could be playing stadiums right now if I took the dives five years ago or even three years ago, which mm -hmm. there was a few times I almost did. Why, what, what were those opportunities like? Why did you not do it? Well, you know, get fairly, I got pretty balls deep in one in particular where I was like very close to doing it. Do a people deal. know which one it is or no? I've never really said it. It was right. with a big artist in tandem and it was right. tied to doing, you know, it was tied to having features. It was tied to being on their tours. Was it Post, Post Malone? Uh, yeah, <laughs> All right, maybe. go ahead. But, you know, um, but more so even, even, even deeper than that, really what it came down to was like, when I talk about intuition, I'm dead serious. Like I never felt like 
the people, like the real administrative side of the record labels, like I didn't value their opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, they're like fucking in a suit telling me if, if it's a wave or not. Yeah. I don't need you to tell me if it's a wave or not. I'm not even making music for you. Yeah. I actually prefer, I don't give one fuck what you think about my music. And then I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, this is my livelihood and I'm building this. And, I, and it's just like, I'm going to gamble it with this dude who might be at the other company in three. Like, it's like a merry-go-round. People are switching labels. They're getting hired. So I just like, I talk about being behind the curtain a lot. And like, I've taken this really long route here where I've just seen a bunch and I've sponged it up. And I'm like, this doesn't really align with, this doesn't make sense for me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yes, I could get way more popular and famous, but... I'm giving away the lion's share of my fucking income. And this is my livelihood. Mm -hmm. These people don't give a fuck. I know I can sense it. You know what I mean? So that was where it really was. I can't say there was like one thing they did or one reason, but it was this this intuitive feeling like this is way too much of a gamble. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It reminds me of Kanye, uh, the trilogy that's on Netflix. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's got the one scene where he goes in, uh, he's got the CD and he's a producer. It wants to be a rapper. He puts in, he's playing it and he goes like literally like office to office. And they're just like, yo bro, like get in my office. Like I'm trying to get work done. Right. And you hear and you're like, bro, that's a banger. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now. And, And it's like art, I mean, taste is so, it's so subjective and in and, and society, we like to, he's the best. I'm the best. Oh, you see these streams? He's the best. He's sold this many. It's like arguments over who's better. And I can't believe you like this. And you know, this whole thing, it's like, you don't go to dinner and argue like you should have got the steak. Mm-hmm. The steak's way better than the chicken. You should have got it. It's like, it's just fucking taste. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like, if I like something, that's my compass. Mm-hmm. I feel as though I'm tuned in to who I am and my taste. I've closed the artist gap. There's a gap, like I forget the Perth philosopher who talks about this, but when you're creating things, there's a gap that you, the real aim is they talk about the 10,000 hours. That's how you close that gap. You have something in your head and your heart that you wanna create. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time, a lot of patience and a lot of diligence and hard work to close that gap and then be actually creating what's in your heart and in your head Mm -hmm. tangibly. Mm -hmm. So over the years, I've closed that gap significantly to where right now, I feel as though I've arrived at, I'm making what I wanna make. Mm -hmm. What's in my heart and in my head and it's effortless and this is where I'm in my bag here. So if I fucking like it at all, there's gonna be fucking hundreds of thousands or maybe millions of people that like it too. Do you you ever ever think when you see how many streams or the views on a YouTube video or whatever, like one of the pieces that it took me a long time. So we'd publish a YouTube video, right? An interview with somebody or something, a million views. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, cool, got a million views. I'm excited, right? Like I see the numbers yeah. like everybody else. But then I stopped at thought one time. I was like, do you know how many Super Bowl stadiums a million people is, right? Like imagine sitting on the field, all these people watching and then times that by like eight or 10 and being like, whoa, that's a lot of fucking people, mm-hmm. right? Do you ever do that where like the digital numbers don't feel nearly as real as maybe you go play a festival and there's a thousand people Mm -hmm. and you're like, yo, that thousand people feels way more real than the million people who listen to a song, but it's just a number on on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's like, it's the times we're living in, right? Like things are just going digital and that's just the way it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you just said is super valid and I've had that thought before. You can't ever 
trade in the feeling for human connection and mm-hmm. the energy in a room and and how it feels to shake their hand, look in their eye, or just you walk in and people erupt and, and they're singing the lyrics and you feel it and it makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, at the same time, you know, from, from the business standpoint and just being objective, you could really argue nowadays it's way more cost effective as an artist and creator to stay home and create and upload mm-hmm. because you're reaching... Yeah, you might be in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, and there might be 8,000 people there that night. And maybe th- you made 3,000 new fans out of it. Awesome. But one post can make fucking 18,000 new fans and get in front of 600,000 new people. And that whole, what is that kinetic react? Like, what is the yeah. chain of, of reaction that happens there? And how does it trickle down into your success and money earned or awareness or notoriety, you know? So I don't, uh, I really... Again, leaning into the spiritual side of things, I, I don't, I, I, I'm really practicing detachment. Like the joy, like the joy I get when I have an idea and I create it and, and I have a fucking huge smile on my face. Yeah. Like I'm a fucking eight year old. You know what I mean? Like I'm in my room, fucking sometimes in my underwear because I just woke up and I got a fucking, I'm smoking a fucking backwood looking at the ocean. I got here off making music and I got a fucking, I'm lit up with a huge smile from an idea. It's kind of where it begins and ends for me. Now I'm going to execute it. I'm, I'm going to execute it because that's the role I've taken. I've taken an independent route mm-hmm. and it comes with more duties. I'm going to make sure I execute this. I don't have executive producers or A&Rs or labels. They're gonna, I'm not interested in spending money and marketing it and trying to tell people like me. I believe as though, like you said, you put your true frequency out there, you put your true self out there, mm-hmm. it will attract others that are on that same vibe. But I also think it's a more valuable fan. I think a lot about like, uh, you know, there, there's, um, you could have millions and millions of people who know you and kind of sort of like you, but by doing it the way you're doing it, when you have a million people show up somewhere, they fucking love you. Like yeah. I saw a video uh, recently, uh, Taylor Swift, I think maybe in Philadelphia, I don't know if you saw these videos, mm-hmm. uh, she did a concert and uh, they were filming like the bridge and like the highway and shit outside of the stadium. And somebody commented, they were like, yo, she's got more people outside listening to the music than most artists have inside mm-hmm. at their uh, show. It blew me away. She's, a, she's a, probably the prime example of like, yeah, she's gotten mega, mega famous and has been for a long time, but she's been able to have this grounded feeling, right? Yeah. Like she, she, you never lost her. If you were listening to her, you never lost Taylor to the, to the ether, like to the ether of just being so famous and having such a different life. Like she's still there. There's, there's just something. I think there's something human that other humans need or really yearn for. And it's subconscious, but like mm-hmm. you could tell if I'm being authentic, of course you just can. Mm-hmm. And like, even your ear can, you're like, I don't know why I like this more. Mm-hmm. Maybe technically like a lot. I have no idea what I'm doing musically. None. <laughs> I have no music theory understanding. Yeah. I have no fucking idea why I have melodies in my head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? But you, you know, someone who's classically trained might say, ah, oh, why didn't he go? He should have went to a major there. Why did he, I don't give a fuck. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think at least I'm going off my ear and my experience is like, I think most people aren't really, they're not listening to music like in theory, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're just going, it's a feeling. It's literally a vibration. How does yeah, it make you feel? You're a vibes dealer. Exactly. <laughs> For real though. And, and you know, like if you can g- 
add a good vibration to someone's day or even for a moment, mm-hmm. that's where you start to have these real fans. Like, so she's done such a good job at cultivating and amongst mega stardom, just having a grounded essence, you yeah, know, and, and she's really, really good at, at showing her fans she cares. She played a fucking three hour set in the fucking rain. Crazy. Most guys, most guys would cancel. Most people would just be like, fuck it. We'll redo it. You know, I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm so fucking successful and famous. It yeah. doesn't matter. You know, it, it is a similarity between Taylor Swift playing three hours in the rain. And uh, I think Michael Jordan was famous for saying like, if I was not like basically on my deathbed, I was playing, mm-hmm. right? Whatever kid bought that ticket, maybe the only time he's ever got a chance to come watch me play, I'm playing. Yeah. And you almost get this like, um, the, the people who rise to absolute, like the extreme of uh, talent, they feel an obligation mm. and like they feel so um, connected to the audience that it's not a one-way street. It's right. not like, oh, you guys have all this fame, whatever. It's actually this feeling of like, I owe you all just as much as you think that, you know, I like uh, you guys owe me as, and as much as I think I, I owe you. I literally fell into a spiritual bag because I was experiencing this. I had, I had people telling me like I saved their life with, with uh, you know, certain songs I would make. As much as I was like the college rap guy, like mm-hmm. I, I did always kind of tap into more meaningful stuff mm-hmm. and, and, I'm on this tour bus. It's like the fucking magic carpet ride. You know what I mean? Like we're getting we're we're getting wasted playing playing shows, getting wasted, going out, getting more wasted. Whoever's around, girls on the bus, fall pass out, wake up, another city. We're doing the same thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and you do it over and over again. And there's something like I don't even know how to put it. It's just kind of numbing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like. Then all the it's just like a simulation. It's just new faces and new new. Mm-hmm. But it's like the same song and dance, literally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, but it also is like you and your boys probably at some point get to. Uh, you've done it so many times. So you like you could literally before the night starts like script it out. Be oh, like, yeah. Hey, we're gonna do this. This we, he's gonna say this to a girl, right? Yep, this guy's literally. gonna get drunk and pee on himself. Like, yep. like you just know we the had night. A, we had a fucking blast. I'm yeah. not. I'm and especially coming from the space where this was so left field. Yep. Like I had no foresight of like me being a musician and touring and being like, I just didn't, you know what I mean? Like I had me being, I I, I had a feeling I was going to have fame and success in some way, but I felt it was going to be from being a pro baseball player. And that was all I cared. You know, that was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But we go on these tours, I get into the point, like I started to feel myself First off, we had a blast and I'm not saying it was, we did like, it was amazing, but I started to feel a lack of presence. Mm. And what you're talking about is, you know, this ability to stay present as an artist when you are getting abnormal amounts of attention, mm-hmm. adoration, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're getting almost situations that like, you know, it's not really like natural for humans to be like, for another human to be like, I come on stage and people are like, ah, you know what I mean? Like that's not even normal <laughs> or natural, you know, that, that becomes numb. And then people are saying these things and they're cr- like, I'm at, I was having these meet and greets. So I, I stopped doing meet and greets like this. I came up with a new way of doing it, but it's just like, I'm waiting in a line for half the time I'm hung over and I am truly trying to be present and they're coming up and shaking your hand and telling their story. And they have this really short window of time and like the security guards rushing them and it's awkward. And I'm like, they're pouring their heart out. I started to realize like I needed to tap into presence. Like I, Mm -hmm. 
it's, it's when I started to clean up my life a little bit and really start to practice presence because I didn't really have much of it as a young mm -hmm. man, you know, mm -hmm. like, and that has been a huge unlock because as I've gotten more successful, I get more grateful, more compassionate, mm -hmm. more understanding of fans and maybe the way they behave sometimes is a little overbearing. Okay. You know what I mean? Less self-importance as I've become more important, quote unquote, in the world as my notoriety grows less, you know, judgmental and, and less like, Hey, like, give me my space. I'm a celebrity or, you know, it's just, it's just like, for me, the more popular I get, the more fucking thankful I am mm -hmm. to the people. Mm -hmm. And it's really, you know, goes hand in hand with some of my choices here. Like I'd much rather you talk about you. I know your numbers got in business and, and I have a very different approach at how to view an audience and how to monetize an audience. And, and I really think- What is the difference? So I have, I have something, so I call my fans Steve's. Why? No idea. We're like most of the shit that works, like we just talked about, were dumbass, stupid ideas. Me and my boys, of course. we would get high, we'd smoke, and be like, oh, "Yeah, go do your thing, Steve." We just always call each other Steve. Mm -hmm. And we were filming a little TV show. I started a YouTube vlog called "Touring's Boring," which was a satire. It was like really racy. Probably couldn't put it out now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was like the trenches of touring, women partying, yeah. whatever. A TV Esquire network sees it. We do This Is Mike Stud in 2015 or 16, yep. I believe. We're filming it three weeks in. There's a camera crew following us, and they're like, the producer pulls me aside. He's like, we have to address the Steve thing because all we have is you guys calling each other Steve. And like, <laughs> it, doesn't, no one, it doesn't make any sense. It's not going to make sense to the viewer. You know, so we address it. It becomes a bigger thing. You know what I mean? The Steve thing is, is uh, it's just like a perfect anomaly example of like, I think all the best ideas are the stupid ones. Imagine you know, being the producer going home and like telling your significant other, like, these fucking guys call each other Idiot. Steve. Like, can you imagine if I just came home and called you Larry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... There was there was this boyish charm to it all, yeah, even yeah. as we were fucking idiots and probably doing it longer than we should have been. And mm -hmm. we weren't kids anymore, but we felt like we were. I still feel like I'm a fucking kid right now. But yeah. like so only Steve's is something that I that I that I launched in about I think it's we're approaching two years ago. Right. OK. Obviously, you know, only fans is a real thing. Real commerce happening mm -hmm. there but also very risque, very niche, mm -hmm. you know, porn, sex leaning, right? Mm -hmm. Like just that, it's definitely associated to that. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm an artist who like really makes a lot of ideas. I freestyle everything, it's paint against the wall. There's, there's a lengthy vault, a lot of great ideas. And, mm -hmm. but you know, there's also a process of executing, which is like taking songs that are 50% ideas to a hundred, right? Mm -hmm. And, I'm just looking at it objectively. I'm trying to understand, like I'm trying to see where the innovation is. Cause it's the wild, wild west. The mm -hmm. industry's changing so fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at where we can innovate. And we started this subscription model. No art, no artist had ever done it where it's like, yo, I'm literally gonna, I'm locking myself into a timeline, which is a big creative no-no. Like, hey, let creative, as an artist, you're supposed, you're not supposed to, timelines are like kind of almost like, mm, be careful to subscribe to timelines. Don't put time on your creativity and mm -hmm. don't rush things. But I just was listening to myself and seeing what I was doing. And most of the ideas happen really quick now. I have this vault growing. 
if you think about it, right, I'm putting a song out every two weeks. I'm doing behind the scenes only exclusive access, you know, you know, the same song and dance is like a Patreon, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I'm not doing any extra work and I've tripled my music revenue mm -hmm. in two years. So what, the way I look at audience, right? 10,000 people a month subscribe to 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. I'm getting 100K for ideas that, guess what? They might not come out, right? Or they're gonna come out, uh, most of the songs do come out and do the same business they would do on the Spotify's and the Apple's. Mm -hmm. So I'm just getting a fucking cash advance from people that really wanna care, mm -hmm. that really wanna hear the shit and are really tapped in. Mm -hmm. And we haven't even scratched the surface, man. It's been a really slow development. There's a reason why we're we're making our own, It's can't I, I can't exactly say the, the 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 date yet but very soon here we've been building out a platform that is built for this mm -hmm. the music industry is like really really changing mm -hmm. um with ai and what's happening and like it's really not about having a zillion fans mm -hmm. two million fans it's about having 20 30 20 000 people if twenty thousand people are subscribed at five to nine bucks a month you're talking about being a millionaire and it's only 20,000 fucking people that are tuned in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's weaponizing your actual art. It's whatever you're good at, you know what I mean? This direct to consumer model is just, to me, I feel as though it's bigger than creators. It's, it's commerce, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so my boy, who's a partner on this company that we've been building, which is why I've been slow playing the development of Only Steve's, cause it's going, it's going to go a lot user friendly and mm -hmm. a lot better very soon. His girlfriend's a content creator. She has 70,000 followers, I believe. She has 100 people subscribed to her. She was kind of the beta of the first, mm -hmm. the first trial. 100 people subscribed. She's doing $8,000 a month. She's working two hours a week, and she's just making one-of-one one recipes, recipe packs. No, no digital. There's no, she doesn't have to get on camera. Yep. You know what I mean? She's just leveraging her a little, like... Well, the crowd knows. that the crowd that she's built, she's living in her passion. So she's making a living off how she lives, which mm -hmm. is really what making a living should be. Mm -hmm. Forget it for living and doing living your truth and mm -hmm. figuring out how to monetize that directly. So what I'm saying is like, I already know the commerce and how hard it is for artists to really get lucrative. And I know how saturated this market's getting. Right now, there's 100,000 songs a day uploaded to Spotify That's crazy. and Apple. And guess what? In two, three years, it will be a million a day. Mm -hmm. AI might change it forever to the point where there's 10,000 songs going up a fucking minute mm -hmm. because they have AI bots generate. You don't know. What do you think about the AI stuff? You think it's legit? It's it's the future. So like you can you can... It's no doubt definitely polarizing. There are going to be a bunch of people, hence what I was just talking about. There's going to be a bunch of music consumers that say, fuck that shit. I want to, I want to have a connection with, I want to, I want the art to be from real artists and mm -hmm. I love music and it's just, I can't do, you know, cool. Right. So there's going to be a bunch of people that go that way. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be the majority of the people that music isn't music isn't like they're not going on spotify when they get home from work and combing the fucking let me find the newest the artist like a, with a dat piff yeah like right? think about you like <laughs> you 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 have a fucking business and then you have kids and you you're not like combing the that's for kids when i was in college it's for kids it's every leaks album i fucking knew about it exactly right? now exactly. couldn't tell you one of them so guess what kids and 
I'm telling. There's a song right now mm -hmm. called "Heart on My Sleeve" mm -hmm. by a go his name was Ghostwriter, and I know through a friend of a friend that it was a it's a fair it's a fairly established artist who did this. Mm. So, first off, right now the way the AI works is I can explain it a little bit. Like the way the way it works is the artist, the songwriter, right? You have to create the melodies and record them with your mm -hmm. voice. So you have to have one, the know-how, the feel, and the sauce to just mm -hmm. make a dope song. So mm -hmm. this guy who did it is actually a dope writer, right? Mm -hmm. Then he runs it through the AI-generated Drake and Weekend bot, mm -hmm. which sound pretty fucking close, mm -hmm. you know? And the shit's taken off. It took off immediately on TikTok, started to take off on Spotify. They, they took it down. it down in two days. But right now, as I scroll through my Instagram reels, I, he I hear it every fucking day. Yep. No one gives a f so many people don't give a fuck who the artist is anymore. Yeah. My whole point with the direction and like I started to realize is like it's just about having your crowd and fucking managing that. Yeah. Serving your crowd because very soon, bro, like the artist could become obsolete. The producer could become obsolete mm -hmm. with this AI thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's the future. I think most kids you know, like we said, kids are the ones who are the combing, are yeah, looking for the, who's my favorite artist. This I love, you know, it's like art plays a big role in kids' lives and mm -hmm. they have that free time. And most kids who are seven, eight years old right now, by the time they're 15 and these, this AI bot is just going to keep improving, improving. You're not going to, they're not, you're not going to know what's real or fake. Yeah. So they're going to be listening. It should be like, yo, this fucking shit's hard. I don't give a fuck who made yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, why don't you do? Uh, I think Grimes. Uh, yeah, I saw she basically. I don't I'm even think she to. actually did anything. No, she I think didn't do all anything. she said was, "Have at it. Use my voice. I won't come after that's you, the, and we'll split the rest." That's the future. So, so what? It's part of what's being built in our world is like it's starting here in this space. This mm -hmm. only Steve's like, you're an artist. You're a creator. Maybe you're a fucking. Maybe you're a mechanic who's who's amazing at at fixing tires and fixing cars. You can outsource your services directly as a marketplace mm -hmm. so like included in this marketplace like like my marketplace right now is subscribe for nine bucks you get a premium podcast premium songs four of those guaranteed you know two podcasts two songs a bunch of behind the scenes shit we're also kicking back cash you can create curate your own service mm -hmm. right but where it goes from there is essentially it's it's a market it's it's no different than shopify so on on my page or on my artist page going forward yeah you can Submit your songs with my bot. I'll like, just like Grimes said, if I like it, I'll sign off on it. You can feature me on the song. I did no work, you know, and pretty soon, that's just the way the AI bot works right now. Pretty soon it will be so developed to where it will say you're a Mike fan, right? Mm -hmm. And you want a song with Mike. I have enough songs and offerings that the, the AI, the bot will be able to predict and learn the type of melodies I would do as well. So not only will it, replicate my voice but it will also be able to write the song so you could type in lyrics and say i want a song about fucking cool Bro, i think you can i can think you can do it right now if you go into chat gpt or whatever mm -hmm. you can say um for example uh yeah i know write a, write a blog post about this but the part that blew my mind was you could be like and write it in the style of hunter s thompson yes. write it in the style of whatever amazing eventually you're just gonna be able to write song lyrics about this topic right, but I'm in saying, the style of mine i'm also saying melodically so oh, interesting. I'm saying like, oh, I know what 
I've heard all the mics. The, the mm -hmm. AI has heard every melody choice I've ever made, and it predicts and interprets what I would do melodically. So it's not just the words, it's putting it all and then together. And if you don't like it, you hit refresh until you get another one. <laughs> so that, you know what I mean? Like, this is where the commerce of, of music is going to change completely. Does it, like, does it hurt you if too much music comes out? Like, is there a scarcity value yeah. uh, where, you know, Okay, you you definitely publish more than most artists, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the brand, that's part of the lifestyle, like all the stuff. And and it's like, hey, when inspiration hits, I, I'm doing, I'm not waiting for an album, whatever. Could you do it too much? Um, or are we gonna find out? We're gonna find out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, it's it's a, uh, it's it's case by case. I'm a type of artist, like I said, I've kind of developed into this space creatively where I'm like. Most of the ideas, I'm like, they're happening quick. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like I play a middle ground right now. But even you saying that, it's a bit outdated. And I'm a bit out. I'm in a similar age bracket mm -hmm. where like, it's a bit outdated. That's kind of an outdated thought. Like, mm -hmm. oh, man, you're over serving. People are fucking bored in three seconds now. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? That's true. That's true. So it's like, oh, they like the old model was essentially like, Hey, we're working this song to radio right now. Like this, this is your single. Don't put out another song. Hey, we're, we're working this song right now. Don't put out the album because there'll be too much. There's too many songs. And now it's just like, bro, each song is like buying a fucking piece of real estate. Mm -hmm. It's like a salesperson that goes out into the universe and maybe it's going to garner a bunch more business. You know what I mean? Or maybe it won't, but for a small overhead cost, I can buy a property Let's my small overhead cost because I'm doing a lot of it myself. It cost me four to five k to put out a song, execute a song, and mm -hmm. put it out. Right? I'm making that in the first fucking two minutes mm -hmm. on streams when mm -hmm. it goes out. How much money can you make on a stream? Like, what is like a general for an artist, whether you or <laughs> yeah, somebody else? Yeah, I mean, this is this is where uh, what I'm talking about independence and like a lot of people are bitching about, and, and I understand where they're coming from, like. Man, I, I made 300 million streams and it's and it's only X amount of dollars, right? And it like feels like because they're looking at it from the old model. First off, if my music wasn't stream capable, if it wasn't on streaming services, I'm getting right now. I get monthly monthly listeners. I could I could even fucking show you monthly listeners. I think across Spotify and Apple is five like 5.2 million listeners, right? It's a lot like, it's a, like unique people. Yeah, unique monthly listeners. That's fucking crazy. Right? But at the same time, like... And put that in context for people like Taylor Swift, Drake, like yeah. huge, huge names. How many do you think they get? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pull it up just, just right. to have it. Because cause when you start to think about not just like the number of plays, right? Not just the uh, um, kind of views on YouTube, but actually the unique number of people, right. way more important number. 70 million for Drake just on Spotify. So it's wow. probably over 100 million monthly listeners yeah. across shit. What I'm saying is these are different type of listeners. These are different type of listeners than the people that would go and buy your album. You know what I mean? These are different type. Of, I'll, I'll repeat it. These are different type. These are different types of listeners yep. that would go to a store and fucking pay ten bucks to buy your album. So what I'm saying is like, yeah, there's a hundred million streams, and yeah, you only made you know, I don't know what that equates to. You can find out quite easily, but regardless, you wouldn't have got one hundred millionth of those streams. Yep, yeah, yep. It's this ecosystem and the way music listening and consumption mm -hmm. has transformed is like, there's a lot of people getting streams just by happenstance, mm -hmm. just by people being in playlists or an algorithmic, hey, I'm just, 
I, all day in the store, we play this Spotify playlist and there's stream. So it shouldn't be, I'm not really one of those artists who are a big contester of like the payout model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because but can people make like let's say that they don't have only steves and like all the other stuff can an artist be mildly popular and make a living yes yeah, yeah so yeah. so it's not um it's like i recently saw uh um who was it i think it was daniel uh cormier mm-hmm. uh he was talking about everyone's like you know ufc fighters don't get paid and and for sure when you look at the numbers you're like damn mm-hmm. you know they made this much the fighters made this much that don't seem very fair but he's told the story about uh he went and he fought john jones and mm-hmm. um i think got paid like three hundred thousand dollars get another three hundred thousand dollars in sponsorships and two days after the fight dana white called him up he goes hey bro we're gonna uh, give you an extra four hundred thousand dollars our champions need to make a million bucks Right. Mm-hmm. That's not caught in the data anywhere. Right. And right. so it's like the UFC. And again, I'm not saying the UFC does that every time. I'm not saying that they should or, or shouldn't. It's just like I'm assuming with the math of people say 100 million streams equals this dollars. Like there's probably other things people are doing to make. Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100 million. I'm just making sure this is the right number. I don't want to botch it. I know this is a numbers podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> Wait till he finds out we don't do public math on here. <laughs> yeah. So 100 million streams on Spotify is about a quarter million dollars in, in income. The difference is I'm getting fucking lion's share. I don't have any hands in my pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you do a, fifth, a a traditional record deal, that doesn't, what's 15% of 250 plus you got to play your manager, plus yeah, you bought yeah, a house yeah. for your mom, plus you have your overhead costs, your assistant, plus your producer splits, plus taxes yeah. at, the, at the end of it all, you know? So, you know, you can, like 100 million streams is a lot, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, like, Here's what I'm saying about the whole model that we're building, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to go this way. If you want to be a human artist in the next five to 10 years, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to have a a focus group of your people who fuck with you. Mm -hmm. You can constantly be marketing yourself in the digital world, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to get more and more digital world. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be able to bring them to this space and understand how to monetize them. Mm -hmm. And it is this subscription model in one way or another. It is for the artist because I develop, like I'm a bit of a unicorn because I was just, it's just the luck of my timing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I developed this fan base over a decade of being truly authentic and working my ass off and just always giving free content to the point where now I'm comfortable saying, no, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to give you all a bunch more content, but mm-hmm. at this price. And, and I've earned that with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But there is going to be an education learning curve happening and it's happening already. It's just like, because other creators are doing it and making real livings. Mm-hmm. Comedians, I mean, there's some like there's some comedians making huge fucking bags and they're not talking about it. And it's this it's, I know some of them and they're fucking making and a it's, lot of money. And and bro, like I'm 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 kind of the guinea pig. Yeah. I know How big what, do you think you can get? I, I know what this did. Bro, I'm 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 doing six figures a month on yeah. subscription. I think it can go. I really think it can 5x in like a year or two. Okay, so let, let's say that this works. Like, let's take an artist who uh, yeah. is on the come up, becoming more popular, uh, is smart about not just staying independent, getting stream money, builds out a subscription. Uh, we haven't even talked about you got some products and, and merch, and like all these other things that you've got where there are additional revenue streams that kind of feed back into this, right? Is it possible for an independent artist to make? I don't know, a million seems actually pretty feasible a month. It is. Could an artist make 10 million a month? If Drake did this right now, I don't even know. I, I, he Would he might, make more or less money than he's making? More. 
if he said, you know what, I'm pulling my shit from all this, you got to subscribe, you can hear my whole fucking catalog and all my new shit. And I got a new album that's dropping on there. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I, I really don't know. He can maybe make $100 million in a month. Bro, Elon Musk got uh, on Twitter, I think he's got set it like two bucks or something. Uh, you know, the subscription thing. He's got like 25,000 people subscribed. He gets it. Right? And, is, and, and by the way, he didn't tweet it. He didn't do it. Like, he just like literally the button's just sitting on his profile. It's just where like there's just this, this rumbling yeah. happening. It's underneath. And then once it's at the surface, it just becomes the norm. It's happening though. Like mm -hmm. there's a rumbling happening and it's building and building. It's going to come to the surface where like... The listener is going to understand that, like, yeah, like, this is just, this is how this I how support works. my artist. I support these, their their lives. And that's how I make the artists, that's how I make my consumers feel, because it's the fucking truth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, y'all are helping me support so I can make this music the way I am. If you, mm -hmm. If this music touches you and has a role in your life, the reason I'm able to continue to do it this way and not sell my soul or have to do a record deal where my whole dynamic changes and maybe the art's never the same which happens to a lot of artists when everything changes mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's kind of this agreement between the consumer and you know if you go back to like real true commerce and how it started is like everyone would go to the fucking farmer's market and we'd barter Mm -hmm. Hey, what are you good at? You make the best bread. I'll give you some money for that. Thank you. You know, like, mm -hmm. and the baker's happy because he's doing what he loves. And this person's happy because, you know, they're, they're getting the product they want. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So in the long run here, I really do think it serves the community when I, the community being culture. It's just like, yo, find out what you're good at, figure out how to monetize it. And guess what? Like that number you're talking about. Do you know how many people, how many artists have like 2,000 people that really fuck with their music? 2,000 is a tiny number these days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because of streaming and the, it really gives you a ton of exposure. Like to me, like Spotify taking the lion's share is just a tax because they're fucking giving, there's tons of, there's tons of like opportunity and just the exposure generated from mm -hmm. being there and how the streams work. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, like if you got 2,000 people my subscription's nine bucks a month. You know what I mean? That's a real fucking bag. We're talking about 20K a month. If I told most art, like most artists are starving. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like dollars a year. They're getting fucking, they're like, yo, my song has 2 million streams. Like, and that's fucking nothing. Mm -hmm. What is 2 million streams? 2 million streams is like. 2 million on, pump. is uh, we need you. Uh, probably like five grand, something like that. We need you. Let's hey, see. Bro, I just told you we don't do public math. Now you ask me to do, <laughs> <laughs> to do complex math. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. 4,800. 4,800? Yeah. So, so 2 million people consume that. By the way, the audience is shocked that I was even in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Two, so let's not, maybe 2 million streams isn't unique 2 million people. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's call it. 800,000 people heard mm -hmm. that song. Mm -hmm. Bring it back to 20,000 people that mm -hmm. need to hear it and mm -hmm. they're paying the subscription mm -hmm. and you're making 20 fucking bands a month. Mm -hmm. That is life changing money for most artists, bro. I know because I, I'm, I'm in mm -hmm. the culture. I see like, mm -hmm. it's very hard. I'm so, that's why I'm so great. But that's just, but all you're talking about here is just the subscription revenue. Just, and then if you have 2000 people that are willing to pay you nine bucks a month, they're also willing to buy your hat, your t-shirt. They're willing to show up to your show. They're exactly. willing to do this. They're willing to do that. Guess what? Yeah. You can leverage it. So Stevenson Ranch, this is a big part of my business now. Like this one took off. This I've been Explain doing products and shit. So Stevenson Ranch, obviously, we call our friends Steve's. Um, my house in LA was a fucking zoo. 
we called it Stevenson Ranch because it was like an open door, saloon door policy. Like you could push the door open, we let you in, you know, like, mm -hmm. so we, our house was called Stevenson Ranch. And then we just, I was doing merch and we were starting to really work. And I was like, yo, Stevenson Ranch. Like we started building out the shit and it's like, it's really take, it's really taken off, has legs. We're doing seven figures, well over seven figures. Mm -hmm. It's our second year of doing it. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is like this marketplace idea, right? Mm -hmm. Right in that same marketplace. Like if you're in this club, you're getting exclusive hats you're getting exclusive access i'm gifting every every week i'm giving away signed hats signed vinyls thousands of dollars mm -hmm. so it's just this community where it's like yeah if i'm making six figures i'm kicking back 10 to the fucking fans every time mm -hmm. it's just i'm just looking at it as explain, an overhead cost yeah explain what you guys do because i think we get uh five ten thousand dollars per month you basically yeah. pick someone that's a yeah subscriber. so we do it we do it I'm, I'm in the process of translating into a foundation officially because it just makes sense economically yeah. but but, you know, I'd say since we've started, we've kicked back just to our subscriber base close to 100K. And it's anywhere from five, some days, some months it's been 10 when something really bad happened. Mm -hmm. Basically, what we do is make a post and we say, who you know, needs help? Who, who needs fucking help? You know what I mean? This month, like, let us know. Like this week, let us know. We're giving away, the way we do it now is we give away a couple thousand a week. Mm -hmm. And you know, last 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 month, like one of our real fan got in a horrific car accident and nearly died. Mm -hmm. We raised, you know, we donated personally like eight eight thousand to him, but we raised almost twenty with my buddy who's a philanthropist. But it's just this culture of like, man, these people are spending their hard earned money. I know it's a, I know it's an ask. I know they're forward thinking and taking the dive with me because this is rare. Mm -hmm. Like no one. People subscribe nine, 10 bucks a month to Spotify and they get all the songs in the world. I'm asking them to pay the same just to hear mine. Mm -hmm. So I understand that, but I'm offering so much service in it. You know what I mean? I'm really, you know, again, I might be a bit of a unicorn because I'm a podcaster and, I'm, you know, and we have these clothing things that are of value and I can add into it. Maybe you're not that person. Maybe you're not that type of artist and that's okay. But what I'm doing is I'm leveraging the dope shit that people want that we have to offer and i'm giving it's it's all it just feels like one big perk like mm -hmm. yeah i'm in for nine bucks this month which is the fucking cost of a fucking coffee mm -hmm. and there's a chance i come up on 2k there's a chance i get the bundle i'm hearing all this new music i'm tuned into what mike's doing i'm hearing the you know it's just this commodity exchange that i think is actually closer to fair you mm -hmm. know what i mean where you know, the artist is kind of getting hammered by the middleman in a lot of situations where these fans actually really fuck with the, uh, like, it's pretty easy for fans to feel connected to an artist when they say, when you're an artist, music's the most powerful universal language in the world. Like, you don't even have to know what the fucking words are saying. There doesn't have to be words and it can speak to you. Dude, I see it. We have a uh, uh, email that I send every single day. It's my opinion on current events and financial markets or whatever. Once a week, I send it for free. And then four days a week, I send it to an audience that pays. It's, it's cheap, right? Depending on when they buy, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the open rate is like 75% higher for the paid audience. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're paying for it, mm -hmm. right? They're like, oh, I want this. Uh, and it also, you're hitting them more times and they're getting connected. Mm -hmm. And then what I noticed is those people respond more. They, they engage more. They do all exactly. this stuff. And I learn more from them than I do from the larger audience, exactly. right? Because I know, hey, the serious person is the person who is uh, um, uh, going to take the time to write this email response back. Like all, all exactly. the things you're saying, it's not just music, right? It's across society. Is It's almost like this leveling up of seriousness. Yeah. Right? These are the more serious fans. Yeah. 
And so if they're more serious, you're willing to give them more because you know they're serious. And in response, they're willing to engage more, right? Because they're, they're, they're parting with money for it. It's almost, it's almost one of the more daunting things about fame and celebrity that fucking ruins people. Like mm. it's why most celebrities go off the hinges. It's just so hard to have so much energy f- to face your way. Hey, can you give me this? Hey, can you sign this? Uh, just nonstop. Whether it's, you know, when you walk out of your house or whether you open your phone and it's never ending people telling you their story, it can be draining. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the essence of like a friend to everyone is a friend to no one. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather really be with my dogs who really get what the fuck's going on and are going to either support me, give me truth, honesty. um, And when they can, like, I know for the most part, you know, there can be bad apples, but I know the guys around me want me to fucking win. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and at the same thing, I want the fan, like, I want to know who the fans who really want me to fucking win are. And I want to play to them Mm -hmm. because I know how small the number is to really be a fucking millionaire Mm -hmm. and really live off your art and live in a peaceful state of not worrying about going to a fucking job you don't like and you don't Mm -hmm. care about, which I think is, is. Really what we're dealing with right now is there is an industrial age. We're going into an intuitive age. We're in the information age right now where there's so much information. It's gotta go back to intuition where, you know, like we're kind of, what we're dealing with now are the results of an industrial age where we indoctrinated the people of society to be fucking employees. And that breeds unhappiness. So when the society is, hits a tipping point where there's too much fucking unhappiness and there's no fulfillment on a broad scale from a human level, society implodes. If you ask people what their purpose is, I think that it is shocking to researchers, people who run these studies, whatever, how many people say, I don't know, right? Because if you think about, um, you know, hundreds of years ago, it basically was survive, Right at the end of the day, it was feed my family, you know, do this, do this, whatever. But like you were so self-reliant that you didn't have the ability to try to create impact or do this. It was just like, yeah, I got to make sure the crops are here. Got to make sure my family is physically safe, right? We don't freeze to death in the winter, like all these things. If you go back, um, throughout maybe the 50s, 60s, 70s, right, there was uh, people who were, yeah, they had a job or whatever, but like the generalization would be like, you know, the hippies, right? It was like they, they were they were seeking something higher or whatever. And you kind of follow and each kind of generation has something different. But right now, actually, there's an entire generation of people who are being defined by the lack of purpose. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know if it's the TikTok, Instagram stuff where you're just like doom scrolling. I don't know if it's, yeah. uh, you're just going and, and, you know, you're sitting under fluorescent lights all day long. And you're yeah. just like, yo, uh, I hope that my fucking boss doesn't see that I took an extra 20 minute lunch break you know, or whatever. But just like that lack of uh, purpose and freedom and, and, and autonomy and all this kind stuff. Kind of what we're speaking to. Kills people. It's what we're, what we're speaking to really, this whole thing. It's just like, we're kind of... In a way, society as a whole, especially in America, we're kind of experiencing what it what it feels like to be rich. And let me explain. Not like rich people like my outlook on life is like no matter where you are, it's it's all perspective and lens. So no matter where you are, there's there's gonna be ups, downs, highs, lows, problems to solve, issues from the heart, whatever, these things that you have to navigate at for your human experience. You know what I mean? So Right now, comparatively to what you're talking about in the 50s and 60s, where it's about survival and just making sure that like your your wife and your kids are like 
gonna stay alive and be healthy and like have a fruitful life, maybe be able to procreate and continue the family name. Now we're rich, we're gluttonous. We got all the info. We could talk to anyone in the world. I could watch a girl, if I fucking uh, am addicted to sex, I could watch it all day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I, if I want like anything, you know what I mean? So we're so gluttonous that it feels, it almost breeds this feeling of like, you're constantly looking outside of yourself. You're just constantly life. distracted, everything external like that, 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 her, her. And it's like, no one is getting in tune with themselves. That's why I'm so high on the spirituality. I'm not religious per se, but I know what it did to me when I went inward. I don't go out anymore, bro. Like you got me out of the house because I respect <laughs> you. I don't leave my fucking house. Like, yeah, because I know it's all within me. I also think you know though, what I mean? it's like, um, there's an easy life, right? So, uh, people got very upset when I said this, but whatever I, I said it and I believe it Fuck is that, uh, if you spend hours of your day scrolling on your phone, you have the easiest fucking life ever. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, it, it goes online a lot. I don't know if you saw the 50 cent um, uh, viral video where he was like, depression's a luxury. Yeah. And people were like, yo, you, like that's that's out of bounds. You're not allowed to say that, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. You, you guys aren't understanding. Right. He's like, I'm not saying depression's not real. He's just saying where I came from, no one had time to think about that shit. Exactly. He's like, because they had three jobs and they were trying to eat. Right. And he's like, that's not good, bad, whatever. It's just like, it's a luxury when you look at it from that perspective. Same thing with like the doom scrolling. If you're, oh if you go in your phone, go in the settings and look at how much time spent on all these fucking apps. If you're on Instagram for two hours a day, you got a soft life. Exactly right. It's not wrong. No. It's, it's just it's not even 150 it's not years ago. Fault. We're, no. we're now just like our parents were indoctrinated to ring the bell, go to work. That's what school was. Like yes. we had to create employees. They were indoctrinated into this, why they don't understand how we're working in the information age. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? Now the new set of, what I meant by like, we're all kind of rich. Like we're rich with info and access and correct. You know what I mean? So and it's, time. So it's like, yeah. And that's like what rich people deal with. Like I know rich kids who were born rich and they're fucked because they don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? They've always had the access. It's never gone anywhere. There was almost nothing, nowhere to go. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it was a part of me like coming into some, some financial success and also achieving some goals. Like I went into the spiritual aspect of my life. Like I told you, I felt like I was losing presence mm -hmm. and I had things that I yearned for mm -hmm. and it didn't fucking mean anything. You know what I mean? And like, that's what I mean. I don't want to sound like You're chasing a hippie. the ghost. I don't want to sound like a hippie about it, but like, that's what I mean by going inward is just like, take some time because we're indoctrinated to fucking be comparing ourselves. Yeah. We're indoctrinated to be looking outside because there's always something to see. Mm -hmm. So that's why I limit myself and I limit my access going outside. I, I limit my, I have timers on my phone, like no more. Yeah. Because I'll find myself in a less grateful, more anxious, ooh, should I go somewhere? Maybe I could go to dinner tonight and we should go to fucking Poppy Steakhouse and like, I don't give a fuck about that shit. You know what I mean? But if you're out, if you're fucking watching it, ooh, looks good. Steak looks good. There's celebrities. Ooh, it'd be cool to be there, you know? And it's just like, you know, this purpose discussion mm -hmm. is, it's really becoming bigger and bigger. And like you said, it's a, it's a, it's alarming how many people feel as though they don't because the purpose is being here. Yeah. You know what I mean? The purpose is being here and just trying to manage navigating your human now. experience manage now be here now the purpose will reveal itself but who's to say your purpose isn't just being here and maybe 
impacting your wife's life positively, your kid's life. What is bigger than that? When you walk out the room, what do your boys say about you? Mm-hmm. What's bigger than that? Mm-hmm. It's because everyone else, we want more, you know what I mean? Because we're looking at everybody else and all the things they have and all the highlights, you know? If our parents grew up in this age, they'd be going through the same fucking thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're jealous. Uh, yeah. I could talk to you for hours. Where yeah. can we send people? There's a bunch of people who probably are watching this or listening to this. Uh, they love the story. They love kind of how you guys are innovating in the business side. They never heard the music before. So yeah. maybe where can we send people if they want to listen? Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I'm that douchebag that has a one a very, very strange artist name. It's literally Mike. So I so I went from a incredibly douchey name, Mike Stud, and even somehow got douchier and just went Mike. <laughs> but you know, Mike Stud. You'll know, be more wild than Mike Stud. Mike. Yeah. Mike Stud was like, I literally I didn't I didn't think I was gonna be a musician. Yeah. And I'll give you just cool, we'll end on this. Like my uh I went to Duke. Do you remember the Duke Lacrosse scandal? Yes. I remember very well. I went well. there right in the heels of that. I went to high school. I, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and so was in high school while that was going on. I didn't know you were and, from Raleigh. And for people who don't know, uh, the Duke lacrosse scandal was probably one of the most controversial things in that part of the country yeah. for 18 months. Here I come trotting in with my fucking backpack thinking it's going to, you know. And, and Oh, I, here's a Duke athlete. I made it to Duke. Like I made it, you know, and they're like, they're on almost like a lockdown. So they don't allow us to have social media at that time. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself. I'm aging myself mm-hmm. here. I think they only had Facebook and Twitter was just starting. Mm-hmm. This was, yeah, 2010 or something like that, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it was. So we all came up. Our coach was a hard ass and he's like, yo, no social media. Like essentially what they were doing was like they were trapping Duke athletes online, like they'd have a pretty girl and like friend request you that you'd accept her friend request. And then it would be somebody trying to smear Duke athletes. Mm -hmm. So like underage drinkers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was just, they were attacking Duke athletes for a period of time when we got, we first got there. So we all came up with fake uh, Facebook names so we could have it still. And, and our theme was porn star names <laughs> with our real initials. So mine was a no, I had the best one on the team. It was Mike Stud. And like, I was like, so that actually stuck as a nickname to my teammates. And it was like, we hated our coach. He was a fucking asshole. So they would, we would always call each other by our code names and he wouldn't know what was going on. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that's why Mike Stud existed. When I made a song, I was just a Duke baseball player. And that's, that was the obvious name to go with. I didn't want to use my real name. I didn't think mm-hmm. I was going to be an artist. Anyways, we got off track, but. That's um, an incredible story. Yeah. So, so then it works. And it was like, man, I don't even know if it would have worked without the name. I think the name was a big part of it. It was like polarizing. You hated it or you loved it. Yep. As I as I matured, and then this became real and real and real, and then I also understood there was a ceiling. I was I was in the game and taking these meetings. There was a ceiling to being Mike Stead because he was the college douchey athlete. Oh, isn't that that college picture? Oh yeah, it's cool. Like no one wanted to take it. There was a ceiling there. So the rebrand. My business people at the time were like, "You're crazy. Like this is making money. Like changing names right now. You might." you could go to zero, you know? And I just knew, like, I knew it couldn't be Mike Studd. I knew the music I was making was different. I knew who I was becoming as a man. Mike Studd would be a lie to be that still, you know? So I changed it to Mike, period. Um, the period is just like very significant. It's one to differentiate it a little bit because Mike's like the most common fucking name ever. But also, you know, the end is this is the end of the story. It was Mike Seander, the baseball player. There's Mike Studd, the you know, college rapper and Mike, the creative entrepreneur, you know, figured out a, a way of navigating, bringing this into my adult life, you know, but um, really long-winded answer, long-winded answer. You, but- well, if, uh, if you can own the name Mike, 
pretty good spot to be. Yeah. So, so social media, it's, it's at just Mike, J U S T M I K E, because everyone says Mike who, and he says just Mike, you know what I mean? Everyone, I, I see it all the time. Like, what's your artist name? Like, Mike, like Mike, Mike who, Mike what? You know, it's just Mike. So <laughs> I thought about, I thought about being my artist name, just Mike, but then I thought it would better be better. It just, it's better 100%, to be Mike. Yeah. 100%. So, um, if you want to just fun, listen to the music, you just go to any of the streaming platforms, just type in Mike period <laughs> or, or Mike, I think it will just pop up, you know? <laughs> All right. Thank you for doing this. We'll definitely yeah. do it again in the future. Yeah, for sure. It was great to meet you, man. This is a blast.